Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. This is fun this morning. I had no idea any of this was going to happen. But God is good. God is working. I said God is working. Amen? He is working. My goodness, he is working. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Hallelujah, he's working. Okay, if you, the ushers are about to work. If you need an uh, offering envelope, raise your hand. Uh, some of the ushers or maybe a uh, bulletin. Just slip your hand up. They can help you. Uh, if you need a pen or a notepaper, you can whisper that to them as well. You know, one thing we haven't talked about much and just want you guys to know, there is multiple ways to give, uh, multiple ways that you can give, and they're all here kind of listed on your offering envelope uh, right at the bottom of the top portion. We talk about what tithe is, what offering is, what generations is, if we have a guest speaker, or what we do with missions. And then there's ways to give, you know, ex- you know the old check check method. That's a great method to do. We've been doing that for a long time, decades, decades, but there's ways to give online and there's ways to do text to give and some other options. Uh, So if you just kind of fill out some of those instructions, if you need specifics on how to do that, there's some papers in the back uh, that can help uh, guide you on that way. But how many of you are ready to continue to worship the Lord with our giving? Amen. Hallelujah. I've been doing a kind of a mini series uh, during the offerings here. And really the mini-series is that a seed will meet every need. The seed will meet every need. And we've been looking all throughout, the, all throughout the Bible of different times when the Lord has revealed this to us, that there was giving in a financial way or in some way they, people gave and they trusted God to do what He says He will do, to be who He says He will be, and God delivers. Church, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but what he says in this word right here, he delivers on. So when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And we've been looking at these different scriptures, and I want to look at Mark chapter 2, and I want to start in verse verse number 1. And many of you know this story, or have heard this story before, but I want to read it, and I just want to point out just a couple things that really jumped out at me as I was reading this. Mark 2, verse 1, I believe we have some of the scriptures up there. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus was in the house. Okay? Jesus is in the house, church. He is in this house. He is in your house. He is in the house. If you made him Lord and Savior, if, you've, if you brought him into your life and said, you know what, come enter my house. Church, we have, a, we have asked him to do that here. He is in this house. What happens when he comes to the house? Immediately, many gathered together. When Jesus in the house, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Church, this sounds like traffic jams to me. This sounds like traffic jams to me. Currently, there's some room that we can receive some people, but I'm telling you, Jesus is in the house. And so when Jesus is in the house, these chairs will be filled. These chairs, prophetically, I'm speaking this morning, these chairs will be filled. 
and we will have to add more. When he's going to do that, I'm not exactly sure. I'm believing for sooner than later, but he is going to do it. Not even near the door. <laughs> that, that, to me, that's saying there's going to be chairs over by the door as well and over by that door, and you can't even get in. Overflow. Overflow. Can't even get in. And what did Jesus do? And he preached the word to them. We will preach the word of God to this generation, to these people in Erie County where God has placed us. What happened? It says, then they came to him. Now there's four guys. They came to him bringing, bringing a paralytic who was carried by these four men. Verse 4. And they could not come near him because of the crowd. So what did they do? They uncovered the roof where he was. Church. Could we be so desperate for Jesus in our life? Could we be so desperate for Jesus in our finances, in our relationships, and everywhere that we are willing to climb up on this roof and put a hole in it because there's no more place that I need to get to Jesus? Could we do that, church? Uncle Don's like, oh, please don't put a hole in the roof. Come on, church. Let's go. Can we be so desperate for Jesus that we want him so much? We're so passionate about who he is and what he can do. This is what these men did. Now, if you look at what these men did, they're going to have to pay for that. Yeah? They were going to have to pay for what they did. They said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what it costs. I don't care. I need Jesus. My friend needs Jesus to heal him. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm doing whatever it takes. They were radically following him. There was a word when we, were, when we were praying this morning, we were late, but there was a word this morning that when we were praying in there about the woman with the issue of blood. And it talked about all these people were thronging around him. That just means there was all these people around Jesus, all following him, yet one received divine supernatural healing. And it was the one who pursued him. No matter what people said, no matter what people thought, she took an action and went after him. Same thing with these men. They took an action to get into Jesus' house, to find out what's going on. I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I can't heal my friend. I need Jesus. I'm willing to pay a price for that. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. And I'm going to skip over to uh, verse 5 then. It says, then when, they, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, the radical faith to say, I can't do this on my own. I'm no longer trusting in myself. I have to get to Jesus. I have to take this situation to Jesus. Those who came forward this morning, bringing your situation to Jesus. Bring it to him. When he saw their faith, he said to Peter, son, your sins are forgiven you. And then Jesus talks for a little while, then in verse 11 it says, And I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And what happened, verse 12? Immediately he rose. He took up his bed and he went out in the presence of all of them. So now I'm thinking, you know how this works? If you ever think of how this actually happened, he came in. Well, there was no room to get to Jesus, but it says that he walked out right in the middle of them. So what happened is this miracle, everyone just started going, whoa, look at what God is doing. And it says that he walked right out. But it said that the doors were filled and he couldn't get in, but yet he could get out. Because what's happening in Jesus' house needs to then get out. 
It needs to be filled here. But then Jesus says, then let us go out and take the testimonies that we have and take them out of his goodness and his faithfulness. It says it went out and said they were all amazed. And what happened? They glorified God, saying we've never saw anything like this. They were radical enough to plant the seed that they were going to have to pay for a new roof. And they said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going after Jesus. Do you trust him this morning? Do you trust him so much that you will have radical obedience in what he's calling you to do, in your giving, in your relationships, in every part of of your life? The interesting thought I have here is you read the same, same portion of Scripture uh, defined by Luke in Luke chapter 5. It says, he makes it real clear, it says the power was present to heal. But yet only one person got it. You can't read anywhere else in Scripture, three different places in the Gospels, this story is talked about. But only one, one person got it. All those people there, one person got it because of the radical obedience and the faith that they said, Jesus, only Jesus can do this. Can we have the same radical faith in our finances and what Jesus can do in our lives? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you that you're having your way in this place. You're doing your thing. You're doing your thing, Father. Father, I just thank you for radical obedience in every area of our life. Thank you, Father, we can trust in you. That faith as defined as you are who you say you are and you'll do what you say you will do, Father. We have faith in you. And Father, I thank you for provision for each person here. Provision for the calling you have on their life. For what you've placed in front of them. Thank you, Father, for the anointing on their lives to do what you've called them to go do. And Father, even when they don't see it, you're working. And even when they don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. Thank you, Father. You are a good, good God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Since the song was done, that was for offertory, was done earlier. As we're collecting the offering, I have something to share. The Bible says a child will lead them. So during service, my kids are down here doing what they do. And I went down. So this is the word of the Lord. For the church, by way of Ruby Lou Ackerman, age six. Amen. And God is our Father. His love will never leave us. His love will go on forever and ever. He shows mercy on us. He loves us, and we love Him. He will never leave us, and He's never stopping, never giving up. And forever, hmm, what does that say? And forever, love from God will never stop. He will never stop loving us. So let that be the offertory this morning. If you heard that, that was a six-year-old. Thank you, Jesus. This is, uh, that's a good, this is why kids are in worship church. These kids are picking things up. They're learning things. I know sometimes they fidget, they squirm, they move, and they may sometimes cause distractions, but we don't have to be distracted. They are learning. They are growing. They are seeing parents' worship. They're seeing grandparents' worship. They are seeing what they need to see. They are experiencing what they need to experience, and they are experiencing God. Okay, 
They're experiencing God's presence. Amen. Go ahead. And I have to tell you this. I have to say this. I have to tell you. These children, our children, they are going to pray in the spirit. They're going to lay on hands on the sick, and the sick are going to recover. There is no junior Holy Spirit. And the Lord has such big plans for this church, this entire church family. Words of prophecy, words of knowledge, healing comes through the faith of a child. These children... In and amongst us, as we worship, as they see. And it's, it's, it's not Ruby Lou Ackerman because her parents are up here. Ruby Lou Ackerman has seen her parents face down in the living room carpet crying out to Jesus. It's in our homes, but it's in our churches. And they're watching, you know, Miss Chris. And they're watching y'all. They're watching and they're learning. They're learning how to trust him. And he's going to move mightily. And it's the hands of children that are going to lead us as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I got some testimonies I want to share. Okay, I'm losing my voice this morning. I did. I heard like like a little hooting back there. There's one I want to read here. I, I briefly started talking about this last week. Uh, and what I, what I, actually, what I failed to mention last week is we had a team go to the city mission. We had a team go to the city mission because our team is faithful, and their other team, whoever it was, ended up canceling, but our team said, hey, you know what, we will show up, we can do this, and we had 10 people, 10 people give their lives to Jesus Christ, amen. That's a miracle. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light of the darkness, hallelujah. I'm I'm getting my Spanish down. That's good. So here's another testimony I have. In January 2019, this person's niece, Connie, was told that she had stage 4 liver cancer. If she chose to have chemo, she may live maybe two years at the maximum, but it would not save her life. It would, however, buy her just a little bit more time. She had a scan, a PET scan, I think it's called, on October 22nd, less than a month ago. And when she went to her oncologist, he told her that it was a miracle her liver is clear. Praise God. This is stuff only he can do. This stuff only he can do. And I'm telling you, the medical profession, Dr. Carey, I see you over there. The medical profession, they are going to see more and more and more of these miracles. More and more of them. Because their attention needs to be arrested as well. Not yours, but theirs. Yes? And then this morning, man, I love testimonies. This morning, Ashley, she just shared a little bit what was going on with her father. I don't know if you, if you guys remember a while back, and I don't know how many months ago it was, uh, we started praying for Ashley's dad, who was in, uh, in the ICU, and really, I think that was it. We all, everyone thought, Ashley thought, I mean, this is it. Uh, he's going to not make it. He's going to pass away. And God started doing a true miracle in his life, a true physical and a true spiritual miracle in his life. And God started restoring him and bringing him back, and he got out of the ICU. And then all of a sudden, we got this email like things turned worse again, and things went backwards, and he was struggling again for his life, but God is faithful. And he began again to do a miracle working power. And I know Rich meets with him and talks with him and prays with him. And over the course of month after month after month, he is right now where he was when this whole 
whole thing first started and moving forward to be even better in the physical realm than he was before. And I'm telling you, this is not just small stuff. I'm talking he had heart attacks. I mean, this man should be dead. But he's not. But God. God's got a plan and a purpose in his life. And he is doing absolute miracles. Church, God is working. God is working. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians 4, verse 29. I've got about an hour and a half long message. I can't see that clock back there. I have no watch. I turned my phone off to not be distracted, so no idea what time it is right now. It's actually not an hour and a half. It's like an hour and 20, but I'll try to, I'll try to you know, squeeze it in here. And what I want, to, I want to pick up where we left off in Ephesians 4, verse 29. But real quick, I want to do this foundational verse. You don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We've been doing a series called Identity and Understanding Our Identity in Christ and Through Christ. And <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, 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 <clears throat> behold. All things are new. Behold is a word that I use at Christmas time. Behold, the Savior is coming. Behold, the King is here. Behold, the baby is here. This is not a small word. This is not a word we use lightly. This is like behold. Behold. Look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing in my life. The Passion Translation of this same scripture says, Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. Entirely new. Not partially new, not a little bit new, but entirely new. That all that is related to the old order has vanished. It has vanished. Behold. Even the Passion Translation uses behold. Everything is fresh and new. It's like, what does behold actually mean? It means to see or observe a thing, a person, an especially remarkable or impressive one. Praise God. Behold, when we are in Christ, we are new creations. Amen? Amen. So Ephesians 4, uh, starting in verse 29... And the title of the message is, this morning, is Be Imitators of Christ. In order to be children of light, in order to understand our identity, and if our identity is light, which is what we talked about last week, how do we, how do we live that out practically in our life? We need to be imitators of Christ. You say, what does it mean to be an imitator of Christ? Well, I'm glad that you asked, because the Bible tells us how to do that. So let's pick up in verse 29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. To be like Christ, to be an imitator of Christ, our words... Our words, church, if you have not realized this, if you attended here even a little bit, you understand that our words have power. Our words have creative power. The Bible says that we are made in his image. We are made in the image of God. He, them, created them, being like God, right? We understand those verses in Genesis. But this is what it's telling us is our words have creative power. Jesus' words have creative power, which means our words 
as we are in him, have creative power. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of our tongue. What are you speaking over your marriage? What are you speaking over your children? What are you speaking over your coworkers? What are we speaking over those that we have challenges with and troubles with in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? This is for me. Mm. I won't give you the whole story, but God is, God is saying, what are we saying about those people? Because the battle's not against them anyway. We know that. In verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does grieving the Holy Spirit of God mean? First of all, let me tell you this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he cannot change, he cannot lie, and he is light. So what does this mean? Is over and over in the scriptures you see that the Holy Spirit is also described as light. In John 16, you can read it, I'm not going to put it up there, 7 through 11. He shines into the dark places of the heart and convicts us of sin. Ooh, the Holy Spirit does this. The Bible says that he is a lamp to illuminate God's word, teaching us what is true, showing the truth to be precious. Ooh, to be an imitator of Christ, to walk like Jesus did, to be a person of light, we cannot grieve the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit throws a spotlight on Christ so when we can see His glory, we may be changed. Just as Moses' face was transfigured when he saw the Lord's glory at Mount Sinai, so we will be transformed when by the Spirit, by the Spirit we behold God's glory in the face of Christ. Say, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do the following things. Well, let me say this. The Spirit is light to us in three ways. By exposing our guilt, by illuminating God's Word, and by showing us Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. To put it another way, it says, as divine light, the Holy Spirit works to reveal sin, to reveal truth, and to reveal glory. Oh, my goodness. So when we're grieving it, what does it mean? It means we are closing our eyes to that light. Ouch. Jesus, to be an imitator of Jesus, we cannot close our eyes to the light of the Holy Spirit in our life. What he's saying, what he's asking us to go do, the revelations that he's bringing to us, the glory that he wants to see in our lives. When we close our eyes to the light, I love this word, we disparage what we are meant to see by the Holy Spirit. And that's when we become guilty of quenching, resisting, or grieving the Holy Spirit. Wow. Church, this ties right into what we were talking about last week, and I'm not going to go through it, but there are four words that this church had a prophetic word over Pastor Liz gave it, I mean, actually, I think it was during transition service. But there were four words that keep getting repeated over and over. I know the men's group are beginning to look at them and work on them. I believe that, actually, the ladies' group already was doing it. Uh, They are submission, humility, repentance, and obedience. And I absolutely, I'm not going to go into those this morning. We'll probably do a whole series on them at some point in time. But these are only possible, 
only able to be done because of the love of God. Because of the love of the Father. Because he loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Because he loved us so much that he rose Jesus from the grave. Because he loved us so much that he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us, to lead us, to guide us. So let us not quench the Holy Spirit. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit by not walking in what the Holy Spirit is asking us to go do. Psalm 51.10 says this. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. God, create in me a clean heart. Not working harder, doing more, trying more, lists of to-do lists here and there. It says, no, we just say we are submitting to God. Lord, you created me the clean heart. You do the work, please, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, you do the work. He is the creative power. We just need to use our words. Verse 31 says, let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all, mar- with all malice. And as Paul's writing, again, I think we've said this multiple times, like he doesn't, there wasn't chapter and verse, but this is a thought that he is continuing through. And here ends the old man. Here ends the old man. The bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you from all malice. That ends the old man. And what he's showing us in the next two verses is what does it mean to be an imitator of Jesus? What does it mean to walk in the light? And I want to walk you through these next two verses. Verse 32 of chapter 4 says this. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Walking in light being an imitator of Jesus, is being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then he keeps going on. Therefore, now we're in chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators, be imitators of God as dear children. Here's this word, imitate. And walk in love as Christ also had loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. What does it mean to imitate someone? You know, Jairus imitates all the latest and greatest awesome football players that he sees on the TV in our family room. With ill regard to any type of picture that might be hanging any type of, you know, special, precious moments thing, whatever, it doesn't matter. Jairus is imitating a football player. And what happens when he imitates that football player, I've noticed, is he stands a little taller, he runs a little faster, he tries a little harder, he actually begins to operate and play as a little guy, as the person is who he's trying to be. And church, what an analogy for us. What an analogy for us to be an imitators of Jesus. As we begin to see ourselves as children of light, as we begin to see ourselves as God sees us through Jesus, as we are in him, engulfed him, enfolded in him, I think is what that Passion Translation said, we begin to be able to be imitators of Jesus. Not even in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us. 
So how do we do this? I've got four ways, actually three ways that we can do this. And I just want to brief these uh, with you. It's something that you can see in these last two verses, uh, 4 verse 32 and then 5 verse 1. It says this, how do we walk in love like Christ? How, are, how can we be imitators of Jesus? Number one, we sacrifice. We sacrifice. God made the ultimate sacrifice for us. God is love. So if God is love and God made a sacrifice, we too have to sacrifice. The interesting thing here is if you think of what light is, something has to be sacrificed to have light. Is that not true? Those who go to science class understand that oxygen and the things that need to be burned up in order to create that light, electricity that needs to be used to make that light, something must be sacrificed to make that light. Parents, you guys sacrifice day in and day out for your children, day in and day out for your families. Moms, man, I see what you guys do is just... is unbelievable. And we thank you for it. The Bible says there's no greater love than to lay one's life down. Jesus loved us so much that he sacrificed. If we are to walk as Jesus walked, if we are to be imitators of him, we must sacrifice. Number two, we must forgive. We must forgive. For there to be light, there must be forgiveness. The reason why there's light in our life is because of what Jesus did for us. You see that? In order to walk like Jesus did, to be an imitator of him, we must forgive. And I'll tell you, the Bible says over and over, I want to tell you again this morning, is the first thing you have to do is forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. And then the last thing that these scriptures show us, these last two scriptures, we need to value each other. We have to value each other. In order for there to be light, there must be value. There must be empathy and compassion. What does empathy mean? It means the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. To walk in love, to be an imitator of Jesus, we have to walk with empathy, which means the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And that verse also used the word compassion. Compassion is a systematic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Not pity in a bad way, but a concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of another. For those that are hurting, for those that are different, for those of a different political party. Compassion. God calls us to value differences. He calls us to value people. He calls us to value the uniqueness on how he created others. Men, are you valuing your spouse for who he created her to be? Are you showing her value Are you showing her forgiveness? Are you showing her sacrifice? It's a question you have to ask yourself. Wives, same thing. Children, same thing. High schoolers, same thing. Are you valuing the people God has placed in your life? 
Are you forgiving the people God has placed in your life? And are you sacrificing for the people that God has placed in your life? To be children of light is to be an imitator of Jesus. To be an imitator of Jesus, these scriptures tell us right here, we have to forgive, we have to sacrifice, and we have to value. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that there is so much that you could tell us in just one or two scriptures in your word. Father, I just ask you now this morning that even though the time is late and we've done a lot of things this morning, that you would begin to restore relationships because of who you are. Father, I just ask now this morning that you will put away the striving and the trying and we begin to put on the trusting and believing. Striving and trying must go. Trusting and believing must come. And so, Father, I thank you for the strength for each and every person here this morning to be able to make the sacrifices that you've asked them to make for their families, for their jobs, whatever it might be. Father, thank you for the strength and the ability to forgive only because of how you forgave. And Father, your word says that we need to forgive 70 times 7, many, many, many times. And Father, I ask that you will help us to walk in that forgiveness as you restore relationships. And Father, as a church, I begin, I ask that we begin to see each and every person in the church and each and every person in our lives and in our families as valuable. Every child is as valuable as every adult. Father, let us see each person for who you created them to be. Father, may we be imitators of your son Jesus. Father, help us to imitate only you. And I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us, and gives us the ability to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Honey, if you want to come up here, I just want to, I know the service went a little long today, but that's okay. God was doing amazing things. He's doing an amazing work uh, in our lives. Do you have anything you want to share? No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, so I just want to read a benediction uh, over you guys this morning. And at the end of service, even though I know it's been long, I want you guys to come up. If you need a prayer, a prayer request, you want someone to pray with you, just come up here. We've got, we've got leaders up here, prayer leaders up here that can help you, that will pray with you, and just minister to you whatever you might need um, there. Yeah, go ahead. The only thing I have is that the benediction is one of my favorite parts of the service. Mm. And as it's spoken, I, as he's speaking it, I receive it as a blanket. Mm. There's a blanket covering me as I leave. And I think of it often as covering me until I return back into the presence of this gathering of believers. Amen. So let me just read this over you. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height? Four dimensionals is amazing. To know the love of Christ, 
which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed, and we will see you soon. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.